0: You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 143. Talk about the Enneagram and you with Melissa Kohler. Melissa Kohler is a small business strategist who is passionate about helping women build a business they can be proud of. What started as a career as a professional photographer has blossomed into the creation of several brands and businesses and a passion to teach others how to get started without feeling alone and overwhelmed. Melissa has found the easy button for building a business with the creation of the Blush Pages, where entrepreneurs can join in community find joy in running their business, and access the help they need to build an unstoppable brand. Melissa believes in passion over perfection, and the truth that the only superpower you need is you. Melissa is also an Enneagram expert, and this was a delightful and insightful conversation all about what makes you, you, and how you can use your self-awareness and strengths to not only be the best business owner you can, but lead your team well. Grab your coffee, grab your tea, let's talk it out.
1: Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi
0: addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me your friend, your girl, Renee Dallow, here this week with Melissa Kohler. Melissa, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. I also was i was about to say, Melissa and I are here with my cat, Beth, who has decided that now is an appropriate time to play with her uh, toy that has noises in it. So if you can hear my cat, um, you know, welcome to Beth as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's just Murphy's Law that like my house is very quiet until it's like time to record. Then my neighbor's doing construction. My cat decides to wake up. It's like, welcome. Welcome to 2022.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I know. It is. You're right. It's
0: Murphy's Law for sure. It it really is. Oh my goodness. All right. So we're talking about Enneagram today, which I feel like maybe I'm not alone in this, but I am obsessed with all of these personality assessments. I'm just obsessed with like knowing more about myself, I guess. Is that what is that why everyone loves it? Because like even on Instagram, if I'm like scrolling and I see something about Enneagram 3, I'm like, whoa, what are they saying about me? Like
1: I get very invested. How did you get involved in Enneagram work? So a few years back, I don't even remember how many years now, I um I say the Enneagram found me. And I'm sure that a lot of people would probably have that same type of story where it was, you know, you take all of the different personality tests, the disk assessments and the, you know, all, all of the things out there. And I stumbled upon the Enneagram. It was, you know, a a few people in my circle were talking about it. So I said, well, you know, I'll I'll take it. It's fine. And I got my results and I was like, how do these people know what is going on in my head? It was a little freaky and I thought to myself, all right, well, if it's this accurate, I need to really dive in a little bit more. So as I dove in and really started reading the description of my number and my wings and where I go in growth and where I go in stress, I started to realize that this was an an exceptional tool to be able to to interact with my family, my friends, my coworkers, And then I thought, well, you know, if it's going to be this instrumental in my personal life, I wonder what it would do in my business. So then I started to really dive into how I could utilize my strengths for my specific number to market myself and just be be everything that I could be and, and want to be. So that's kind of the Cliff Notes version of how I found the Enneagram. It's been it's, I'm obsessed.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not alone in the obsession. So what is your Enneagram number? I am a nine wing one. What? Do, so tell me about nines. I don't know much. See, I was telling Melissa before we got on the air listeners that like I only really know about three because I'm so self-centered that I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to learn about myself. Screw everybody
1: else. So tell me about nines. So nines are, they're called the peacemakers. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we don't like anything that has internal or external conflict. And so I, when I found that out, I was like, oh, that's why I react and, and do the things that I do. So um, nines typically will not usually say anything that's super controversial online. And I always... So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. When I learned more about myself, I was like, okay, that makes more sense. I can see these people when I'm watching social media be very passionate about things and they say these things. And in my head, I'm thinking like, well, I'll definitely say that across the kitchen table with people, but I don't know how comfortable I am doing that online. And so... I fe- when I found that out about myself, I was like, all right, it makes more sense because I don't want to invite the conflict. And, you know, we all know that conflict is just a part of life. And I've learned right. that as I've been growing, but typically I will stay away from conflict. And so you said you are an any room three. Mm-hmm. And I, I relate to a three very much so because when mm-hmm. I am growing, I go to a three. And so it was difficult for me to actually kind of be Comfortable with being a nine. I don't want, I I don't even know what the right warning would be for that. Because when I found out I was a nine, I was like, all right, I get that. But in my business, I don't necessarily act like that. I am definitely more driven and goal oriented and go and push. And when I have a, when I know I want something, I go for it. But that's what a three does. And so it's easy for me to then recognize when I'm in a growth phase of. You know of me i'm like all right i can recognize this because these are the these are the characteristics that happen and then when i'm stressed i go to a six and so sixes can t- can typically start going all worst case scenario and finding out all the different solutions to all the different problems. And when I found that out, I was like, Ooh, that's why sometimes I kind of spiral a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's not typically my personality because I'm usually glass half full, find solutions, but I will go into that spiral sometimes. And now that I know that about myself and I start to recognize you're starting to spiral, what is stressing you out? I can take a bird's eye view and say, okay, is it, is it my life? Is it my business? Is it a little bit of both? And then be able to tackle it a little bit more so that I can, so I stop spiraling, if that makes any sense.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's such a powerful tool for self-awareness. I mean, and I, I say often on the show that I actually think the. The, the real job of entrepreneurship is really just like knowing yourself deeply.
1: Oh, I totally agree with you. Like knowing yourself, and, and not just with the Enneagram, like I love the Enneagram because I feel like it kind of dives a little bit deeper in into you as a person, more so than some of the other personality type tests out there. But I love the other ones out there too because they give you another glimpse of like maybe how, your work, how you work and how you interact with other people and just... There, it's, there's so many amazing tools out there to help you understand you, and when you understand who you are at your core, then you can then build your business a lot better, and also interact with your friends and family a lot better too.
0: Right, and I think knowing your Enneagram and knowing how it relates to you, I think it's like when we're looking at our professional lives, and you know, especially if we're doing like you know that SWOT analysis, right? Like the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Like I feel like. As many times as I've done those, and I've done them a lot, knowing myself in a better way through Enneagram allows me to say like, "Oh yeah, it's okay that this hasn't changed," <laughs> and, right. and I can and I can just find help for the places where I am, you know, weak or see a threat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, you can kind of yes. it helps you see down the road a little bit more, I think, than than simply just like I'm an ENTJ, which I am of, I guess, of course, if you know I'm a three, it's like an, it's like not a great leap to say <laughs> I'm the Myers Briggs, <laughs> I'm an ENTJ, but I just find it really fascinating. So did you, when you were like, because I know you mentioned about like when you're in stress, you're this, and
1: how did you find out that? Like that feels like deeper Enneagram work. Well, so every number goes to a growth number and a stress number, and then they also have their wings too. So when you find out what your, your dominant Enneagram number is, and you can only be one dominant Enneagram number. So I'm seeing a lot of people will that have not really dive in, like haven't dived super deep into the Enneagram, will sometimes say, well, I'm a this and a this, and they have nothing to do with each other. Um, But that's a conversation for a whole nother day because there's a thing called tri-types, which we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but every single number has the wings where they can utilize, just think of like wings. Uh, the bird wings. So for me, I'll use me as an example. I'm a nine and my wings are a one and an eight. And when you look at the Enneagram symbol, it starts with a nine at the very top, kind of like at 12 Mm o'clock. And then moving clockwise, it'll go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And so the, the numbers on each side of your dominant number are your wings. And so for me, that's one and an eight. And I, my dominant wing is a one, which, um, If you know me, you will definitely know that that is the case because I'm like, there are specific ways to do things. I want it to look a certain way. I, you know, it's, it's, that is definitely it. But in my business, I can also utilize my eight wing where I'm a lot more like, nope, it's got to be like, we're doing this. And uh, it's, I'm a little bit more, um, I guess you would say, not dominant. I mean, I guess I can be, but um, that's not a dirty word around here. You can say you're dominant. So, anyway, to answer your question about how you find out what your growth and your stress number is, every number has that. And so, when you take a test online, and there are lots of them, by the way, there's free ones and there's ones that you can pay to take. My favorite one is from the Enneagram Institute, and it's the Ready Test, R H E T I. It's $12. I just think it's worth it. Um, and so when you take that test, um, I'm gonna tell you you didn't ask me this, but I'm gonna tell you, for those of you listening that want to take the the Enneagram test, I'm gonna give you a couple hints and tips on how to do it so that you can make sure that you're getting correct answers. Oh, good, I love it. go. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so when you take your test, I want you to to be very aware of where you're at in your personal or professional life. Are you stressed out? are you um, are you kind of even keel? Just be aware of that because that could, affect the way that you answer your questions. The second thing that I want you to be aware of and really try to do this, and so for those of us that are over 40, it's a little harder to do this, to answer the questions as if you were in your 20s. Why? Why oh. is this Why is this important? It's important because most of us have not necessarily lived, quote unquote, life yet, if we're in our 20s. I mean we're starting to, but we will answer our if we answer the questions as if we're in our 20s, it gives us a little bit more raw real of how we would normally see the world. So as you get older, you have the life experiences that can can change the way that you view things and how you might answer things. But if you're in your 20s, it just it's just a little bit of a different take. So try as hard as you can to answer it like that. And be as honest and open as you possibly can. And that might seem like a very obvious thing, but I'll tell you that a lot of people will answer the questions as they hope they would be, not as they actually are. And so just be really honest. And so when you answer these questions, you're going to get back some different results. And, and most of the tests, wherever you take them online, are going to kind of rate your, your numbers from like highest to lowest. And your highest is usually what you're – your dominant Enneagram number is. But remember what I said, that sometimes our personal lives, our professional lives, we could be stressed, we could be growing, we could be even keel. You want to pay attention to the top, I usually say three to five results, because a lot of times your top two results can be very, very close in percentage. And so you want to look at that, and then you want to kind of just say, all right, here's the description of this this number. I'm going to read it, and then kind of look where I what my growth and my, where I am when I'm stressed, just kind of dive into it a little bit. And I'm just telling you to kind of do your due diligence if your first answer doesn't really jump off the page and say, yes, that's me. So when I got my answers, it was definitely me for sure, a hundred percent. But I know a lot of people that have taken tests and they are like, you know what? I just don't know. I don't think that this is me. I, I feel like maybe sometimes it could be, but it just doesn't feel like it's me. And so that's why I want to encourage people to kind of look at their top three to five percentage scores when they get their tests back and just read the description and just see, just see how it feels. The other mm-hmm. thing is that when you work with anybody that does Enneagram work, um, the big thing is is that we're not supposed to tell you what we think your number is. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> You're supposed to figure that out for yourself because only you know your thoughts, your fears, you, you know you only know that. I don't right. know that. Right. Um, I could kind of prompt you for different questions, and we could work that out together, but I'm just saying that as a word of, advice for anyone that is looking to get into knowing themselves a little bit more through the Enneagram, don't ask other people what they think you are. Because if there's someone that's been trained in the Enneagram, they will probably not say, you know what, I think you're this. They'll probably prompt you with questions. Interesting. It's
0: funny, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, I,
1: I definitely should take
0: the test again. Um, I did take the Enneagram Institute test like back, I guess it was a couple of years ago now. It was pre-pandemic. I don't know if I took it as my 20-year-old self, right? Because I, I don't know. I'd like to do it again with that mindset. But I remember very clearly scoring high on three and then reading it. And you know, it always starts with like, at their best, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, this is so lovely. And then it said at their worst. And I was like, how dare they? Like I know. <laughs> dare they know what I'm not like okay well maybe you know like (laughs) I really felt like very called out by it and that's when I was like oh this is probably right damn it like (laughs) I know I know yeah yeah but I did look it up uh just now just to double check so yes I got a three and um in growth I am a six and when I'm stressed I am a nine
1: yep yes 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 all right friends do you feel, how do you feel about all that? Have you looked at, at nines and sixes? To be honest, I, I might have back when I took
0: this, but sitting here right now, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you a single thing about a six. I definitely I know I know, as you described, like nine is like a conflict avoider, and I will say that like, yeah, that is that tends to be my um like if i I have a lot of <laughs> I have a, despite the fact that i that I have a podcast where I literally talk, it's called talk and I talk. There are many, many, many fights I'm not willing to get into. you know what I mean? Like if yes. someone is wants to be combative with me, I'm just like, is this worth my energy? Probably not. And I think most people in my life would describe me as someone who avoids conflict because most of the time, I don't think it's worth my energy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But that also happens when I'm stressed, right? I'm like, I'm not going to fight about it. Fine. If you want to feel like you're right, that's fine. Let's move on. Like I'm more about moving on to action or some kind of resolution or something, right? Uh, yes. Then sitting in something that's going to feel combative for me.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But it is funny to read about type three. So for those listening who don't know, so type three is classified as the achiever. If you had told me as a child, Like, oh, you're an achiever. I'd be like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Because I just thought everyone was like this. Yep. Mm -hmm. Until I grew up, gotten out into the world, especially now when I hang out with other entrepreneurs and we're all so different. And that's what I like about entrepreneurship. It doesn't, it's not just one personality type that can be an entrepreneur, but I do sometimes look around and think no one else seems as busy as I am. Is everyone else busy? Like what, what are y'all doing out there?
1: (laughs) Yep. Because that's just how you're naturally wired. Yeah,
0: I agree. So I, it's and interesting.
1: threes like the other thing that I love about threes um, or admire I should say is that threes are they're called the chameleons of the enneagram, and, <laughs> yeah. and because they can go into any kind of situation and immediately see who the most quote unquote successful or powerful person is in that room, mm-hmm. and then they can mold themselves to be whatever that. Successful or powerful person might view as successful. Really interesting.
0: I'm not proud of the fact that I know how to do that, but I'm very good at it. I'm
1: also a Gemini. <laughs> so, and like, you should be proud that you can do that because I think that that has probably helped you in your business. Oh, I know
0: it has, but I also think that when people hear that, they feel like, "Oh, that feels really inauthentic." And there's no other way I can describe it unless you unless you know how to do this to say that it isn't really inauthentic. It's just a specific part of me that I show that person who I know can receive it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because not everybody can receive every single part of us. That is just not the way it is. I also know myself well enough to know the parts of me that could be, uh, considered quote unquote, like too much. And I can also tell when someone can't handle that part and then they don't get to see that part, you know?
1: I, yes. And that's, that's, um, gosh, I wish more people could kind of (laughs) learn how to do that. (laughs) I wish I could teach it. I I actually don't even really know how it happened.
0: I feel like I've always been this way. I also feel like perhaps this is something from like, not to get all deep in therapy on you guys, but like, perhaps this is something from childhood. I was an only child. Uh, I was in a handful of different schools. Like I really had to assimilate myself lots of times in lots of different situations.
1: So you've had a lot of practice with it.
0: Yeah. I am actually sitting here remembering. So my first day of high school my mom. It's so funny. I was listening to a po- an interview I did yesterday where I talked about this, and I don't think I've ever talked about it on the show. But I grew up in New York City, and there was a period of time in that the time that I was approaching high school where all of the public schools got metal detectors in them. Of course, now in this day and age, with all the completely bananas things that are happening to our school children in a current world, um, it seems mild, right, to have a metal detector. But back then, it was a, it was a it was a big deal in New York City, and my mom. Was not having it. She was like, This is very unsafe. I don't want you to go to these schools. So she moved us from the city to the suburbs. And we moved to a very affluent community that we could not afford to live in at all. But we, lived, we literally had an apartment on the very last block in the very rich community before the school district changed. Like, we, it was like we just stuck our toe in the community and was like, Now we're here. You can't tell us to leave. But I say this all to say that when I arrived at high school that first day, I knew zero people, I knew no one. I did not realize that everyone in this relatively small community of Garden City, Long Island had been in school together since kindergarten, but I figured it out in like the like homeroom. I was like, oh, everybody knows each other. And I spent the rest of the day walking up to strangers going, hi, I'm Renee, like with my, like, like with a handshake, like I was some kind of business person. I was 13. I was like, hi, I'm Renee. I'm new. Like, I just decided that that was who I was going to be at the school. That's amazing. <laughs> isn't wow. It, isn't it crazy? I look back on it and I'm like, who was that girl? Because I was scared. I was so scared because I had also come from a Catholic school where I had been with these kids since kindergarten. Like I knew the vibe. I just came from that vibe. These people did not know me at all, but I just decided that I wasn't going to be shy at that school. Like I was just going to be this person that introduces themselves. And listen, it was probably met with my memory of It's sort of hazy. I made friends that, that I know. May, there are probably many people who were like, who is this girl? But it's okay. Cause I very quickly figured it out. And yeah, that's, that's where my brain went when we just talked about that. Like, I just think there was a part of me that thought, all right, well, this is what the situation requires.
1: That's an, I love that you shared that story because I think so many people are going to listen to that and they're going to say, you know what? I have a story similar to that from my childhood and mm-hmm. that's, that's what makes me good at whatever I do. That's right. I think that's incredible.
0: Well, thanks. Talk to me a little bit about using the Enneagram with people that work with you or for you. Uh, Like, do do people who work with you have to take the test and like report back? Because I would love to be like, to tell, I have a new associate
1: and an and an assistant, and be like, go take the test and tell me what you are. <laughs> yes, yes, I have made I make everybody that works with me um, take the test. I uh, it took me. Let me tell you, because I know before we hit record, you were saying I wish that I could get my husband to take the test. Okay, yes. I've been doing the enneagram for years, and my husband dug his heels in and was like, no, I'm not taking this test. And I, I mean, it took him forever to do it, but. I have encouraged my friends to take it because, so to answer your question, this is a long, a long intro to the answer of your question. I like having people that, I, that are around me, whether it's work or my friends, I like knowing their Enneagram number because then I know how I can speak to them and I can serve them and I, and also how they communicate with me. And so the one thing that I want to also impress on anyone that's listening is that when you utilize the Enneagram for yourself and you start actually utilizing it with your team members, don't ever use it or your friends or your family, don't ever use it as a weapon. It is always just a tool to be able to understand people better Uh, because you you could easily just understand someone and say, oh, stop being such a six. And for anyone that's a six listening, that was not directed at you. Mm -hmm. But it was just an example of don't utilize it as a weapon.
0: Yeah. That's an excellent point.
1: When I use this in my business, it helps me to understand how people view the world. And the big thing that I love about it, I'm trying to say that when you know people's fears and you know their desires, Mm -hmm. their core fears, their core desires, Here's why it's, here's why it's key. Fears are rooted in excuses. So when you hear people giving you excuses, then you, if you know their number and you know what, what they're inherently fearful of, it's usually tied to whatever they're giving you as an excuse. So that way you can say, okay, I know that Renee is saying this, and she thinks that it's tied to her very busy life, but I think that it's probably tied to this. And you then can have even a deeper conversation, just be like, "Hey, talk to me about this, and tell me what's yeah. going on here." And that way, um, you can meet them with a little bit better solution versus like, "You better just work harder and stop making excuses." And those are just very generalized examples, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, and also
0: like if you're if you're working with someone closely, and all of a sudden they're they're overwhelmed and stressed and they, and you start thinking, this isn't like them. If you know their Enneagram, you can be like, well, in a, like for me in a stressful situation, I'm a nine, right? I act like a nine. So if you know, if you have like a facility with the Enneagram, you can be like, oh, this isn't actually Renee, this is Renee under stress. And you know, I can see these tendencies. And so it's not so much of of like a, Hey, what's wrong with you? Or more like, like
1: you said, how can I help you back to Like equilibrium, basically. Yes, that is. I love that example that you just gave. Because when you, that's why I think it's so key for team members to really understand it. I'm not saying being an expert in it, just understanding it a little bit better, specifically for the example that you just gave. Because if you typically work a certain way and then you start acting or reacting a different way, instead of seeing, like, what's wrong with you? Why are you in such a bad mood? You can then be like, oh, these stressors are happening or this is going on. Let's figure out how we can help take that stress off of her plate or his plate and work towards a solution that way. Because I think, especially those of us that are women that work with a lot of women, emotions can be pretty high. And sometimes they're not always the right emotions to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you understand people and yourself with using the enneagram it is such a key tool to be able to to find those strategic solutions versus the emotional solutions i agree and i also think it helps
0: in the giving and receiving of like feedback aka criticism perhaps like yes i have a good friend who's also a business partner in a certain aspect of my life and i remember this was a couple of years ago we were talking about feedback that was received on like a survey you know like she had surveyed her crowd and and received some feedback about me like uh, just a one sentence. And she sent it to me and said, Hey, I wanted you to see this. If someone had said this about me, I'd be very upset. And I was like, Oh my God, what's it going to say? And I clicked on it and it was just simply like, I didn't like her product. And I thought, okay. Huh. okay. And, and like, I, I literally, and I wrote back and I said, am I, is it, I mean, it's okay that someone doesn't like my product. And she's like, but I mean, they, I would, I would be so upset if someone said that about me. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Like, <laughs> yep. and then I thought, like, oh, I think that's just different people handle feedback criticism. I don't even remember. I don't think it was even strongly worded. I, I don't even think it was like I freaking hated it. It was just like, yeah, I was disappointed, and it wasn't for me. And <laughs> I remember thinking, like, that's solid feedback. Like, yay, good for that person to express themselves. Like, I'm sorry it didn't work out for them, right? And I thought it was such an interesting, like, learning for me to be like, oh, this this sort of neutral or, to my mind, sort of benign comment in a different personality type with different stressors is received yes. very differently.
1: Yes. And, and what a great opportunity. So I love that example because what a great opportunity for her to learn from you and your reaction and your views on that. And also for you to say, wow, you know, I would have never, this would not have bothered me, but I can see that it would bother someone else. So that's a, that's a really good observation. The other thing that I like about the, the Enneagram is that when you are working with people, and your loved ones, when you understand how to, to communicate to them. So for example, twos love to feel needed. And so if you can word things or, or do things for somebody that's, that might be a two in your life and make them feel like they are needed and appreciated, that will speak humongous volumes for them. And that may not be your natural strength to, to do those things, but when you understand how other people feel loved and valued, it gives you that opportunity to grow, to learn how to do that better for other people.
0: Yes. I have a sneaking suspicion that my husband is a two. And I'm only saying that on the show because I know he hasn't caught up to listening yet. So by the time he listens to this, it will be months later and I will, be, I will probably already have convinced him to take the test. <laughs> but um, I think the thing I forgot to mention in my, in my last anecdote was that my friend is an eight that, that, that was the point of that. My friend is an eight and I was, I was like, oh, I don't know much about eights, but maybe that has something to do with, you know, that receiving of feedback.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and you know what, the other thing that I meant to say at the very beginning in regards to like learning about the Enneagram and starting to take tests, like the Enneagram is so interesting because it gets to you at your core, but we're all, we all have different ex- life experiences. We all grew up in different places, different, you know, all the different things that shape who we are. So, you know, she could be an eight, but that's, just might be how she reacts to things for whatever
0: her reasoning is. Who yes. knows? We contain multitudes, you guys. Yes. We're, we're not just one thing ever Yes, for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. I've never asked... I guess, this question, but I am very curious because this is something that was brought up by my life coach uh, last weekend at, a, at an intensive that we did. What is your perfect day as an Enneagram 9? And Melissa, I'm telling you right now, I'm probably going to keep start asking everyone this question because I'm so curious
1: now. I love that you asked this question. And so <laughs> just please bear with me because I this is my perfect day, but I realize that people that are listening to this are going to be like, oh my gosh, that sounds so boring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. I can't wait. Lay it on us. <laughs> so,
1: so Enneagram nines also like comfort. And so I would be in comfy pants curled up on my couch with probably a blanket, not because I'm cold, but because I want to be comfortable, probably with my hair up in a messy bun, watching some kind of show and also with some kind of like drink or snack with me and the house would be completely quiet. No one would be home. Um, I could do whatever I wanted. I could watch a show. I could go bake. I could do anything I wanted. That would be perfect for me. That does sound like a perfect day.
0: I'm also very motivated by being cozy, but I have a feeling that has more to do with pandemic trauma than anything else. I don't yes, mean to laugh. Probably. I should not laugh. That was not a laughing moment but I no 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 I, do no, no, I don't it take it that way. I laugh at myself because one of my friends uh, laughs at me because she's like, on one hand, I like follow like high-end fashion designers and I'm like dying for like you know an Alexander McQueen like tailored suit, and on the other hand, if you if you hand me something that looks like it was made out of a blanket, I will wear it. So,
1: <laughs> like- oh my gosh, that is totally me. I love being you know girly and looking cute, but at yeah. the end of the day, I will always pick comfort over fashion.
0: Yeah, I used to have these pants, these like uh, back when I was a dancer. This is like many many years ago. Uh, these like warm up pants that were literally made of sweater material like they were knitted warm-up pants that you would like wear over a leotard or whatever and I kept those things until they were literally unraveling and falling apart and to this day I like you know that you have that piece of clothing that you're like I mourn the loss of those like Capizio yes sweater pants. like if anyone can buy me these I think they were Capizio sweater pants I will be forever grateful because I really just want to wear them every day of my life and be cozy um
1: <laughs> yes and, and, and then buy me a pair too because that sounds fantastic right They're and they're also
0: like, were they? flattering? No, but they were cozy. And that's what was important. That's it's, all that matters. <laughs> it's funny to talk about a perfect day, right? Because and I, will say, <laughs> I think this maybe speaks to my Enneagram three, you know, overachiever brain. But like, even when my life coach said, like, I want you to journal about your perfect day, instead of feeling like, oh, this is a nice exercise. I was like, wait a minute, though. Perfect day, like a perfect Monday or like a perfect Friday or like a perfect Sunday? <laughs> like what perfect day? And she was like, just Renee, a perfect day. And I was like, no, I have many questions. And she was like, it doesn't have to be your every day. Like, this is not going to like, you're not designing like what you're literally going to do every day. It's just like, what would you do? And I was like, I need more rules. So,
1: oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah. What well, was supposed to be like a lovely exercise? I went into like, well, if it's a Sunday, I would want to go to the beach. If it's a Monday, then- <laughs> just- welcome to the inside it. of my brain. It's very crowded in there. Um- <laughs> Melissa, for people who are either very like, tell me. A little tip for someone who's brand new, and then a little tip for someone who, like me, has like dipped a toe into Enneagram
1: but wants more. Like, what do you think? What should we do next after listening to you? Okay, great question. So if you're brand new, go take the test online and read the description of your dominant Enneagram number and your wings, where you go in growth and where you go in stress. That'll be huge. Um, And then I'm going to caution you that you may or may not go down a rabbit hole after that. But two great books to start with are called The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron and The Path Between Us by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. Those two books are gonna give you a fantastic introduction and a little bit more in depth with the Enneagram. And then so The the Path Between Us talks about the, um, the relationship between different numbers, which is fantastic. So those two books right there I would highly recommend,
0: and I'm sure that's very helpful in personal relationships, like with a partner, a business partner, or you know, romantic partner. To be like, hey, let's talk about. I mean, it's. I feel like it's no different than you know. I think growing up, I don't know about your parents, but like my mom was all about the astrology. So like, when I met my husband and he was like, I'm a Leo, I was like, Gemini Leo. I think that's a good pairing. Like, how do I remember this from a million years ago? I know. know. That's how we do. That's how we do. I mean, listen. I think any of these tools, when used wisely, like we said earlier, they help us know ourselves better. They help us be more successful, be more productive in the world, be kinder, be more gentle with each other. I just think, is there any downside to knowing your Enneagram or using the Enneagram, I should say, in your
1: business and life? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, to me, it's one of like the the hidden tools to success because when you understand who you are at your core, it's only going to help you be able to manage and run your business better. For instance, like marketing yourself, authentically to you and how you are versus looking at what everybody else is doing that are totally different personality types and trying to emulate that and it feels really really inauthentic to you. When you do that, you take away the joy from running a business and you don't want that. You're an entrepreneur. You're doing this because you love what you do. So if you can dive into... That learning yourself a little bit more via the Enneagram. And let me just say this I don't believe the Enneagram is the be all and all. Let me just say that. I do believe, though, that it is an incredible tool how you can view the world a lot better. As you were talking, I thought, I wonder if there's some connection to
0: Enneagram and good copywriting, like on a website or a email sequence to be like, you know, so some, because I know sometimes, especially in the wedding industry, I know y'all listening, I know half of you have on your website. I like, I'm in weddings because I love weddings, you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you dig into your enneagram, know your motivations, know yourself. You know, then you have a perhaps a better viewpoint on or philosophy on why you do what you do. That can only yep. come from you. Yep, exactly. Uh, oh. I feel like we have to have you back to have another conversation about <laughs> enneagram and copywriting. Um, yes, do it. Oh, I love it, Melissa. Where
1: can people find you on the internet? My favorite place to hang out is on Instagram yes. at M Kohler, and that's K O E H L E R. It's almost like the toilets and the faucets. But it has a- <laughs>
0: but not quite, just a little bit off. Not quite. Um, we will link to Melissa on the show notes. We'll, we'll link to those books that she mentioned and the Enneagram test. You guys get your Enneagram sorted out. If nothing else, it is an enjoyable way to spend an afternoon learning about yourself on its, on its most surface level. And on its deepest level, it can really, really inform and change the
1: trajectory of your business. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm sitting here nodding my head as you're saying all of
0: that. I love it. Melissa, thank you so much for this. This has been delightful. And uh, I can't wait to have you back someday, soon.
1: <laughs> no, Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun.
0: Thank you so much. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. I say this every week because I believe it every week. I thank you so much for spending your time with us. I know your time is the one thing you can't make more of, and so I'm always extremely grateful that you share it with us. We will see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash
1: podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.